Um, I won't spoil it too much, but he ends up comparing it to Taco Bell somehow. Uh, a lot of things come back to Taco Bell with my husband. So um, some of y'all have asked for it. Look, that's why I did it. Some of y'all have asked for it after last week when I came home and he told me that that watching the Virginia Tech game made him feel like he was getting drawn and quartered. <laughs> that's not Taco Bell. It's not. Um, although, you know, sometimes can probably feel similarly um, after sure. you eat it. Sure. But... Welcome to an ACC podcast. I am Lauren Brownlow. And this week, I guess I had plenty of games to pick from in terms of whatever the biggest game was this weekend, um, <laughs> which is weird. But I, I, I went with Louisville in part because I haven't had somebody on from Louisville yet. And um, I was super excited to get Mark Ennis on, uh, host of The Drive on 93.9 in Louisville. Um, he's covered them for as long as I can remember. How long now, Mark? Uh, either full or part-time, it's been almost 10 years. So basically like right when Charlie Strong got here. So uh, it's been almost 10 years. It feels weird, honestly, Lauren, to hear somebody say, he's been covering <laughs> them as long as I can remember. Like that feels weird to me, but it's true. It's true. It is true. Yeah. I mean, I I don't like basically since Twitter and that's yeah, kind of like, yeah. <laughs> that's when I joined Twitter was 2009. Same. So since since Twitter, yeah, like, like, I feel like we've been Twitter friends, which also sounds weird to say since about then, too. So, um, and it, it, Twitter, Twitter friends sounds lame, but if you try to use anything else, it sounds much worse. Right. And I, I mean, like, some of my best friends currently are friends I met on Twitter, which is, I know, oh. really strange, but. <laughs> no, I, I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. Yeah. It's, it's brave new world we live in. But, um, you know, Mark is. You gosh, what was your first job covering Louisville? You were with the website, right? With the blog. Yeah, just doing my own blog kind of for fun and then started doing part-time radio, uh, pre- and post-game shows only. Uh, and then sort of over time parlayed that uh, into doing some stuff with SB Nation on like the major, uh, the uh, you know, the national site and that sort of thing. And then just a couple of years ago, two and a half years ago, uh, doing full-time radio, drive time, you know, three to six here uh, in the afternoons. And then over the summer, we bought the uh, rivals, the Louisville rival site. So I stay busy. I stay busy. There you go. See, um, Mark, I need you to sort of help me with Louisville here because they're probably one of the teams I've watched the least of this year. And yet, like combing through their box scores and coming through their box scores and sort of looking at what um, what they've done so far. I'm probably that game against Virginia hosting Virginia this weekend. I'm, I'm the most intrigued by that game of any game. And I, I don't know if maybe we're just so shocked to see a Louisville team playing like the way that they're playing after last year, that maybe we're, maybe we're giving them not too much credit is probably the wrong way of putting it. Right. But like, it's like, wow, look, they're trying now. And I, I don't know if we're grading on a curve or if we're grading them accurate. Like what, where do you see this Louisville team right now? Like, do you think we still have a good sense of, of what they are and what they could be? Uh, I think Clemson, uh, unfortunately, which is sort of, you know, what they do it did kind of bring them back down to earth a little bit. Uh, but I think there's two kind of confounding things with Louisville that makes analyzing them and has made analyzing them this year really difficult and one is the one you just mentioned this uh it's very hard to talk about them not in reference to just how bad last year was uh, and, and i've really racked my brain for uh other examples of teams where you knew there were players there and that basically like it was all kind of emotional and psychological and no one cared and they were quitting 
And so like, like you knew there were good players that were just being terrible, right? Uh, and so you can't help but compare, like you're saying, when you watch them now, they look a lot better just because they're trying really hard now. Uh, and then uh, the other thing is they're winning and playing in a style that's really a lot different than what you expected from Scott Satterfield. You know, you look at his teams at, at App State, you thought they'd come here, they'd run the ball, they'd play kind of slow, uh, you know, they would uh, be a play-action heavy team and tight ends and all the stuff that he did at App State. And to Scott's credit, they look a lot different. Their big plays have been an enormous part of the offense. Deep throws, wide receivers uh, have been huge, you know, for Louisville. And it's just, it hasn't looked like the way his teams have looked at App State. And I'll, again, I'll give him credit for sort of being uh, – flexible to sort of work with what he has here. Uh, but I think for both of those reasons, it's just been a little weird to watch a little bit. Like, is this really them? Like, what is this? Because it doesn't look like what you expected either direction. No, that's a good point too. And, and yeah, like just looking at their schedule, I think the only game that confuses me, if you want to put it that way is at Florida state, because, you know, to lose to Clemson and Notre Dame, there's certainly no shame in that if you're Louisville. But then they've won these close games against Boston College and against Wake Forest, who, well, Boston College is whatever, but Wake Forest is a pretty good team. And and so it's like, well, okay, who? so who is Louisville at this point? Like, are they, because they could conceivably win out, which is crazy. Yeah. No, I think that Florida State, believe it or not, I think that they, Florida State is a good example of, if they if they don't do everything right, you know what can happen to them. Uh, and then Wake Forest is kind of a good example of what can happen if they basically do everything right. Uh, they and and I think, but the Florida State game is really where I felt like they kind of shook off some of the things that plagued them last year and early in the in the season when Jawan Pass was primarily the quarterback. Deep throws weren't a part of the offense really at all, uh, and it was basically through a first half where they were getting kind of pushed around up front by Florida State. And then in the second half, they really got the offense going. They hit some deep throws. They moved the ball. Uh, and then since then, the offense has been fantastic, with the exception of that miserable experience of playing Clemson. And they do that to everybody. They Yeah, they really do do that to everybody. So you kind of have to throw that out. Um, I guess Louisville defensively, though, I guess is that that's kind of an area of concern moving forward, maybe just where they're at defensively. I mean, look, there's not a lot of great defenses in this league, but um, right. wh- where are they sort of at defensively right now? Uh, I think they are behind schedule uh, overall, but you can see some marginal improvements in places there. They've already surpassed last year's sack total again, low bar, but you know, like they, they're, <laughs> they're starting to force interceptions, which was kind of a big thing at app state. They intercepted the ball like crazy. Uh, they've had five in the last three games. They picked off Trevor Lawrence a couple times. You know, like there, there, there are marginal improvements. I think the problem for them is they're really, really thin and just not too terribly talented up front in particular. Uh, and they have just so happened to have played a bunch of really good offenses in a row. Like Boston College is really good offensively, which sounds weird to say, but it's it, true. It true. Wake Forest is <laughs> it, it, right. Yeah, you know, right. Exactly. Yes. You know, Wake Forest is hyper good you know, offensively, and they really wore Louisville down. And Clemson is, you know, is a machine offensively when they kind of want to be in or dialed in. So on the one hand, you know, statistically, you are what you are. But on the other hand, like sort of context is, 
know, they've gone against probably the best group of offenses they're going to face. And hopefully the second half of the season isn't quite so daunting. Yeah, that, I'm, I'm intrigued for almost that reason, too, for Virginia's sake, because they've gone up against some tough defenses and had varying degrees of success. Their offense is a little bit of a mess at times, but that's the matchup I'm the most sort of curious to see how it goes is, is can Virginia's offense, you know, finally get something going consistently and, and finish drives and all that good stuff um, against a defense that hasn't been that hasn't been amazing. And that's the biggest question mark to me because Virginia's defense is, is a legit, a legit unit. I think Louisville will move the ball at times on them, but I, you know, I'm not as worried about their defense, even without Bryce Hall as I am their offense right now. Yeah. And I, the one good thing for Louisville is I think that Virginia's not really good at most of the things that really give Louisville trouble. And I think that if you like, they, they don't go hyper fast like Florida State right. or Wake Forest or Clemson or even Boston College. People don't realize Boston College goes fast, but they do, right? Yes. Like they don't do that. <laughs> they don't do near as much RPO stuff that really just Louisville is terrible at right now. It's just a personnel kind of experience thing. They're just not good at defending that stuff. They don't do nearly as much of that. Uh, and you look at some of the uh, uh, cam makers. You know, what Boston College does with both of its big running backs, obviously uh, ETN and uh, Lynn J. Dixon, all those guys at, at Clemson, like Virginia can't run the ball at all except for Bryce Perkins. So, like, they're not good at the stuff that really gives Louisville a hard time, kind of a pounder in, in between the tackles and that sort of thing. So I'll be kind of curious if Louisville's, like, do they does Louisville kind of fix Virginia's offense by not being all that great? Uh, or is this one where maybe they can get a little healthy? defensively against an offense that isn't that great. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, no, I don't either. But that's that's why it intrigues me a lot. Because, you know, obviously Virginia was a team that was ranked not all that long ago. And I still like a lot of the pieces on their team. I mean, they're one of the oldest teams in the league, which I think is important. Um, I love Bryce Perkins. But like you said, he's having to do everything right now. Um, so to mm. me, this is a big one. And for Virginia's coastal hopes, honestly, because like they can't they can't afford to be dropping ACC games like that. Not after the Miami no. game. Like I think that you know we got to one of the the morning hosts here uh, in Louisville is a Virginia grad and a and a professed Virginia fan. He he can't stop thinking about how they lost that freaking Miami game. Like it bothers him that they blew that game and the manner in which they blew that game. And I I get it. I mean I wouldn't let it have like outsized uh, influence on what I think about the team. But I get it. Like that's that was disappointing. That also featured, by the way, one of the, my favorite things I've ever seen in a game, which was the guy ejected for targeting stopping in the end zone and getting an illegal substitution penalty too, like on his way out of the game. I've never seen that in my life. And Miami did that. It was amazing. I was in Europe for that one. So sadly I missed that, but that's, Oh, that's, I've never seen that. It was a, a, like once in a lifetime. I love the coastal so much. I will fight everyone who doesn't like it. <laughs> you only see that in the coastal. That's right. But don't you want Virginia to somehow still win the division so that we get seven winners in seven years? Um, yeah, that would be cool. And it would be cool for them to be able to beat Virginia Tech finally. Um, See, I want it to happen. I don't know that it's cool, but I want it to happen. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, there are a number of outcomes, though, that could be problematic. <laughs> What's the worst possible outcome for the Coastal that like North Carolina wins and goes like six and six or something? <sighs> See, hmm. I'm trying to think. Uh, I would say maybe, I don't know. It would just, it, it, the record I think would be the biggest thing, right? Not the, not like the overall yeah, record. Yeah. The ACC, right. yeah, the, the overall record would be the biggest issue. So like Pitt winning it with a mediocre record would be a problem. Um, yeah, I don't know that there's a team that could win it besides like Georgia Tech, obviously that would be like, 
um, that would be like mock any more mock worthy than anybody else. You know what I mean? I, I don't, I don't really know that, you know, if Miami, if Miami wins it, everybody would freak out and be like, Oh my gosh, Miami is back. So like that would probably be quote unquote good, I guess, but you know, it's going to be made fun of regardless and that's fine. I still think it's beautiful art. Um, and I love, I love every second of coastal football. <laughs> I think we should just refer to it as somebody has to not lose the coastal. That's what we right, should. And say. I mean, like, just think back to the end of that Virginia Tech Miami game, or right, Virginia Tech UNC game, where like it was entertaining at the end of that game, but then they both get into overtime and they're like, "Ooh, I don't know, winning is hard. I don't want to." Um, <laughs> like that's just what the coastal is, and it's it's a beautiful, unique animal. Um, what's the what's the weirdest coastal outcome so far has to be miami losing georgia tech right yes i was oh gosh and speaking of like virginia people being mad about losing that miami game i got a text from our very own caroline darney immediately like when she's like georgia tech where was this defense last week miami and i was like what is she talking about and then i looked and i was like oh wow oh oh no um It's the least explicable outcome in terms of ACC games so far. My, without my favorite part, we talked about this on uh, on our early week recap when I had Connor O'Neill on from uh, Winston-Salem Journal, but the best part of that game for me was that they went 0-for-1 in the red zone. Georgia Tech did and had 28 points. <laughs> that's that's, that's the Coastal, man. Um, so, yeah, that was... Uh, that does get us to Miami Pitt, which actually starts things off on the weekend. Um, and uh gross for one but like here's the thing Pitt should win that game like Pitt should win but does anybody trust Pitt to do what it's supposed to do or are we there with Pitt like are we ready to trust Pitt to do the things it's supposed to do correctly no no and we never should start though because that's when they thrive like the minute you give them expectations you know, that's when things start to go wrong. And so I also view Pitt like this. Back in the, my, uh, the, the Halcyon Big East days, everyone used to alternate going to UConn on a random weeknight and losing when they shouldn't. And I would just call it UConn fog. And it, it happened to every team in the, in the Big East at some point. And I think that Pitt has kind of carried that over. Like somebody good is going to go lose to Pitt somewhere every year. It happens every year. And if, I mean, it's not Miami, right. but like, like it, this year, I guess it was UCF, right? But like somebody goes and loses to Pitt every year, but it has to be that you can't expect anything. So that's my, that's always my view of Pitt. I'm just like, nah, they'll lose. They'll lose. And that's when they do good things. Right. And what's freaking me out is that like, when you look at Pitt's results this season, for the most part, they make sense. And that's not what I'm used to seeing. Like the Delaware game, I think you can throw out a little bit because Kenny Pickett wasn't playing and their running backs weren't playing or whatever it was. But like the rest of the games and the results have like made sense. And that's where I'm like, wait, that's not the Pitt football that I know. Um, And watching them is a wild, wild ride. Like it is just watching them for a whole game. Um, it's it's an experience. There's not a lot of continuity. Like it starts over every week. Yes, it really does, and you never really know what they're going to do. Except at the end of the day, like the result will make sense to you. But if you watch it, yeah, they're, they're five and yeah. two. They're doing fine, right? They are. They just it's it's like no. But still, you you look at Miami coming in, and you're like, you don't trust them to win that game. I don't trust them to win that game. I still think they will, but oof. It's going to be, oh my God, the over-under is 43 and a half. <laughs> oh, are you serious? Oh my gosh. Wow. I, I might, well, you get pit, right? You're like, do I believe them? Like, do I believe them and believe in them now? Yeah. Versus Miami, where the coach is like, we're a total rebuild. Now. Yeah. 
I know we won 10 games two years ago, but we're totally I'm really glad now. that you brought that up because like Manny, I like you, buddy. I do. Um, and I appreciate in a way that you're trying to do like the reverse Willie Taggart where Willie came in into Florida state and was like, Oh no, we're fine. We don't need any work. We're good yeah. to go. And it's like, Willie easy buddy. And then, you know, they weren't good to go. And now that hasn't helped in terms of, you know, adjusting expectations. Manny went the other way. Well, but the, with the doubly kind of challenging and weird and maybe not terribly good strategic thing about him doing that is he was there. Like, you can't say, like, this is a total rebuild when you were there. Like, you were on the staff, dude. Like, you you were breaking it. Yeah. That, <laughs> there's also that. And, like, he – and it also, like, I'm not trying to be whatever, but it's not a total rebuild. Like, it's – No, it's not. It's not. Right. That's the other part of saying it's a total rebuild. It's not. Oh, God. And- I, I, like, I think Scott Satterfield would love a rebuild with all of those players that they have. Like, I think he would take that. Yeah. And like you said, like you put, like you pointed out before, like they do have, they had some talent on that roster, but that doesn't mean that like it was plug and play for Scott Satterfield by any stretch. Like if anything, he was rebuilding a lot of emotional things as well for that oh, yeah. team. And that's, that's complicated in its own right. But yeah, it's, it's just, it's a mess in Miami right now. And I, Manny can't say stuff like that. He just can't. Like, I get why he's saying it, but he he can't fall victim to, like, the whole, okay, everyone's mad at me, so I guess I better, you know, I guess I better tweak something or say something to make them not not be on my back. Like, that's going to make it worse, dude. So, I don't know what it is about Miami, but of all the schools that have sort of lost it and are trying to, quote, unquote, get back, like, I'm the most skeptical or the least uh, willing to believe that they'll like ever get it back. Like, I'm not sure it's out there for them to get back. Like no one goes to those games. It, it, it feels and looks weird. It's never looks or seems right. And I, like, I'm not sure it's quote unquote coming back. Well, I'm not. I mean, and you, you t- they're, you know, small private school. Um, it's, it, it, and I think that they've lost some cachet in the last few years in terms of recruiting. They do still have a name, but every year that goes by that name loses more and more meaning. Um, if you're 18 years old, they've never been all that impressive. No, exactly. And that's that's going to be a problem. Um, I, I'm not saying they can never get back, but I don't know that we're just like waiting for them to get back. Like you said, yeah. Yeah, it feels like it's more than just a matter of time. I agree yeah, with that. Yeah, I'm with you. I think they have more obstacles in place than they ever have before, but... It's, uh, I feel bad for Manny because I like him and I think he's good, but like you just can't, Manny don't, oh, ah, but yeah, um, they, God, they, they really need a win in that game, but I don't think they're going to get it, but they, they could use one really badly. Um, I blame myself. How sad, by the way, how sad, I'm sorry, no. I didn't talk over you. How sad is Florida State Miami going to oh be? Oh my God, that's going to be so depressing. <laughs> right? Oh God. No, but like I. I, I blame myself. I've said this on this podcast before. I blame myself with Miami because most years I only make jokes about Miami and just get snarky about them and whatever. And this year I really found myself actually enjoying the, watching them and liking them early on in spite of, you know, some of their early results. And I was like, I really like this Miami team. I really like Jaron Williams. And now here we are. Uh, yeah. That, that teaches me not to be snarky. Um, speaking. I don't believe that. I don't think that's true. <laughs> speaking of Florida State. Uh, then we get to the other 3.30 game, uh, Louisville-Virginia at 3.30 as well. Miami-Pitt is at noon, which feels extremely appropriate. Um, Syracuse at Florida State. Um, I think we would be waiting for Florida State to stumble all over itself if we hadn't watched Syracuse this year. 
Yeah, no, I think you're 100. That's exactly what I would say is like Florida State is ripe for someone to come in there, especially just in a better emotional state and sort of ready to play. Because I think Florida State in almost every game is like one step away, like one push away from just sort of retreating. And But Syracuse isn't capable of doing that. I've watched them pretty much all year and virtually any game they've played. And even Liberty kind of to start the year, even though they won that game, it never was all that impressive. Uh, and they just don't they don't seem to sort of be the team that can do that to Florida State. I remain kind of stunned at how that Wake Forest game went last week, though. And that does kind of linger, but I still don't think Syracuse can do this. No. Not yeah, and Wake State. is obviously not that you don't know this but like wake is way better than syracuse too like syracuse is just oh, yeah. especially offensively like Syrac- syracuse's offense is a mess um i think that they're on pace to allow i think david halo tweeted this out from espn that they have allowed like i think the, either the most or second most sacks through the first seven games um in the last like 15 20 years of any fbs team so there's that and that's and by the way the bizarre part like this is the baylor offense is supposed to like get the ball out Right. Like that's the, the thing that's not supposed to happen. Yeah. No, I know. And they miss, I think they miss Eric Dungy a lot just from his uh, ability to be mobile and, and, and extend plays and everything else. But their O line's also gotten worse. And um, it's just, it's not a good mix of things right now. Um, I feel, I feel bad because I really thought they would be good. I did. I, I wondered if, if they would, if Dungy's kind of presence was like outsized. Like, not only in terms of, like, what he does on the field. Like, Tommy DeVito, I'm sure, is fine. But, like, Dungy was, like, a dude, you know? And people kind of rallied behind him and played for and with him. And he's jumping and kicking people and stuff. Like, he's, like, a great teammate. And he's sort of that guy that people can borrow confidence off of. I mean, Lord knows we went through this with Lamar Jackson being gone last year. Like, it's more than just what he does is gone. All the confidence that he gave everybody else goes, too. And I think Syracuse is dealing with that. No, that's a good point. I didn't even think about it from that perspective. I think I was overly skewed by watching Tommy DeVito um, in that in overtime against North Carolina. And that was one of those weird Dungy games, too, where he was just sort of like in his feelings or whatever was going on with him. <laughs> and like when he gets like that, that's where I was like, you know what? DeVito's going to be this guy next year for them that, yes, when, when Dungy's high, that really helps them. But when he gets low, it's a big mess. And, you know, DeVito will be more of a steadying influence. But I think I think you're right about sort of that emotional energy. I think more often than not, it worked in a good way for Syracuse, and they are kind of missing some of that. Their defense is also kind of a mess. Um, I think Florida State and Cam Akers will probably eventually have a field day when they can wear down that defensive line a little bit. But like you said, it feels like any any sudden gust of wind or anything will just topple Florida State right over. And if, if Syracuse hangs around a little bit, who knows? But I, I just don't think they have the firepower to do it. I really don't. No, I don't think so either. Florida State, look, for all of the, the issues that they have had this year, uh, the front seven is really good, really athletic. And if Syracuse is a team that gives up a lot of sacks, they're in trouble. Yeah, the latest controversy this week for Willie Taggart, speaking of coaches that can't stop stepping in it, is is like Ugh. that he had like Florida State football account, and they've had their own issues, tweeted out that like, that, like <laughs> he, Willie had the quarterbacks and running backs over for dinner. And there were a bunch of vers- that got like almost near ratioed like, they should be practicing. And it's like, come on, guys. Just, I know you're mad, but stop. You know, it, it's, uh, there's that, uh, I think it's good John Gottman, like the marriage uh, therapy guru guy. And it's like, when you're in a happy relationship, there are all sorts of neutral things that when you're happy and the neutral things happen, you interpret them as like a happy thing. And then when you're not happy with each other, everything that's neutral is a super negative. And it's clear that Florida State fans are in the negative. And like just stuff that doesn't matter, it's all negative now. Yeah, I 
I don't know if that's salvageable. I I kind of hope that it is. I I like Willie. Um, Me too. I think he's made a lot of mistakes along the way, um, as many PR as he has maybe on the field. But I like him, and I I do think he's a good coach. I just don't know if we'll ever. Well, I think it was a a lot tougher to follow – Jimbo Fisher than I realized it would be in terms of like kind of the, like the mental state of the team that he left behind. Yeah. Like I, I, I don't, but also he's really like Jimbo Fisher is like a, a genius and it's, it's not easy to follow that guy in terms of getting guys. Well, to play. and Jimbo, I mean, this has been well documented, so I don't feel uncomfortable saying it, but like he sort of mailed in his last year at Florida state because he knew oh, yeah. he wouldn't be there. And then, the culture he had let sort of slip in his program to where there wasn't much accountability. So it was a little different than like what Scott Satterfield inherited, where I think he inherited a lot of guys who were hurting and wanted, you know, a supportive figure at Florida state. I think, you know, Willie has just had to like start from ground zero in terms of like demanding accountability and things like that from his guys. And, and oh no, this thing that you did under Jimbo, that's not going to fly now. And that could even be something as little as penalties or whatever it is on the field where, you know, they're just used to letting stuff like that go. And, and he, he can't afford to do that right now. So he's having to rebuild that too. But uh, he was way too gung ho early on, I think in, in sort of being like, Hey, and I think he was trying to lift these guys up, but like, Hey, we got good guys on this team. And it's like, yeah, but you can still tell the fans like, Hey, we, we're going to have work to do and, and be a little bit more careful in how you phrase that. Stuff. I thought Andy Staples brought up a good point that one of the things that I think has probably hindered Willie uh, is you know that he inherited a team in a really, really, really bad shape in terms of like the academic progress, right? And he's been utterly unable to run anybody off in kind of the typical fashion. Like Louisville ran you know a dozen dudes off that were turds, but they could do that because they weren't in bad shape. And if those guys leave, it doesn't matter. It's fine. Florida State has like no options. Everyone's had to stick. They've had to get better. Grip. Like he's been stuck with everybody, even guys that probably don't fit, don't buy in, and that's. That's the challenge. Yeah, no, that's a really good point too, and I'd forgotten about that. And when you combine that with with the culture issues, and then the fact that Jimbo's offensive lines and and had been getting progressively worse mm. and worse, and and were a disaster by the time Willie took over, you know, I, I just don't think he probably adequately prepared people for what. The other thing I think about with Willie is when Charlie Strong went to Texas. You know, Charlie went down there was like, "I'm gonna break these guys down, and we're gonna start over." And you, you know, like they had like when Mac Brown left, like they were winning like eight games. Like they weren't winning like two games. Yeah. And, and when Charlie came, Charlie Strong came to Louisville, like they, you know, they had gone four and eight and, and the Louisville players like we stink and we need you. And the Texas players like we don't stink. And I think the Florida state players are kind of viewed Willie at least early on. Like this is not a rebuild. We don't have to change. Why do we have to change a bunch of things? We were doing all right. Yeah. And so I, I think he inherited a group that he couldn't turn over and that is skeptical of him. And that's why it's kind of looked away. Yeah, it's just a, whole lot of combination of bad um <laughs> i really feel like that's the perfect transition to the next game which is at four o'clock and somehow not on acc network actual it must be on like fox sports south or something which also feels super appropriate for this game duke carolina hey. except in football um <laughs> this is such a weird i've grown up watching well this game and you know the carolina nc state game has always been a bigger deal in football just always because duke has usually been terrible and north right. carolina has not been that much better but better than terrible um it's always been a weird one um i think this year probably won't be an exception um when it comes to that and I feel like I know what should happen. I just don't know what will happen. And I'm gonna. You feel like what should happen is North Carolina will win the game. I thought Duke looked terrible against Virginia <laughs> last week. I mean, just overwhelmed. 
against Virginia last week. Uh, and I was thoroughly unimpressed uh, by them. And I think Carolina should win. I, I tell you what, I've been, even at three and four, I feel like I've I've been wrong about Carolina. Like I feel like they've looked better than I expected. Oh, for sure. For a lot of this season. Like I thought that they would, I, I totally panned the Mac Brown uh, thing. I thought it was just the, t- and he, I think he's handled it right. Uh, I think he's done I, him as the CEO guy and he's just sort of rallier and, and uh, living room finisher and that sort of thing. Like, I think it's actually, I think it's going to work kind of in the long run. Uh, but like to me, they look a lot better and, and aren't that far from having five, six wins, right? Yeah, um, they could get there. It's going to be tough. And, and that was my biggest thing with them when people were like, oh, they could make a bowl um, before the season. I was like, how? Because of their schedule. Like, it was just not, it's not an easy, it hasn't been mm-hmm. an easy one. I mean, there's one gimme on the whole schedule and that was the Mercer game later in this, later the season. And um, so they'll have to find two other wins. Um down the stretch, including this one would be a big one to win because if you can do that, then you only have to find one more in what you have left. And it's, it feels a little bit more achievable. Um, if you have to have two in what you have left, uh, you know, I mean, NC state hasn't looked great, but it's still a rivalry game and it's on the road. Um, you're going to have Virginia. It's going to be at home, but still, and then you're at pit. Like, I don't know that you feel like you can win another, you know, you got to win three of those essentially, if you don't win this one to make a bowl. And I, yeah, and I don't think they would be favored in any of those. Yeah, I, I don't either. Um, no, they probably wouldn't. Uh, maybe Virginia, if Virginia looks like crap this week, but probably not even then. So, um, but that's yeah. the thing, and that's what I said before the season. I was like, we could see this team look way better, and like you said, I think we have, and they still might not make a bowl just because of their schedule. <laughs> um, yeah. And yeah, I mean, I, I mean, they they haven't played a gimme game necessarily, except Georgia Tech, and they they did win that one. But all year, and all their games have played out pretty similarly, in that they've come down to the end. Um, but they're one of those teams that's high up there in sacks allowed. Um, Sam Howell obviously is great, that freshman quarterback, and they they can feel yep. great about having a quarterback of the future because that was a big issue for them the last couple of years. They didn't have any good quarterback play, but Duke's front is good. And that's that's the matchup that I'm sort of eyeing a little bit skeptically in this one um, in terms of if you think Carolina is going to win, um, I, you know, they're going to have to keep Sam Howell clean against that pretty good defensive front and be able to sustain drives. And their defense is just a mash unit right now. But Duke, Duke's offense hasn't looked great. So they've got that going for him. They look lost. Last yeah. Week. They looked lost against Virginia last week. Lost. They are weird in that, like when they have played a team defensively, that's not great. They've looked obviously pretty good but with but e- and even like really good offensively but when they've played decent defenses like Alabama Georgia Tech to a degree Pitt uh Virginia they've looked like garbage um I guess the one ex- I mean you're right though no you're Sorry. fine the one yeah. exception I guess is Virginia Tech but Virginia Tech then I think is a different Virginia Tech than the one we see now anyways yeah I, they're an enigma to me but I just was thinking for just a second like Mac Brown takes that job on this year like you were mentioning the schedule, like, what a crummy year to pick up Wake Forest as a non-conference game, <laughs> South Carolina, and the best App State team in the history of App State probably uh, as your non-conference games. Like that's a crappy kind of non-conference schedule to pick up and try to do a rebuild in, and they're doing okay. Yeah, and that that's the thing. When I saw that schedule, I'm just like, there's no way they make a bowl, and they might only win like three games. So they've already like met my expectations <laughs> in the preseason. Yeah. But I was with you. I panned the hire as well. I thought it was silly. Um, I've enjoyed watching him coach like he doesn't give a crap, which I was not expecting. Um, yeah, that's, that's a good way of saying it, too. Like that open, like when they blew kind of the clock management against South Carolina, he was just like, yeah, it's fine. It worked. We won. I like that. 
Yeah, he's got a very relaxed vibe and he just he doesn't care about going for it on fourth down. He doesn't care about taking risks. He just he's just like, hey, whatever. And he's been really honest about stuff. He even said before last week's game, he's like, yeah, we're talking about the coastal. Like, why wouldn't we be talking about the coastal? Whereas most coaches would be like, we're just going to take it one game at a time. Um, you know, he, he he's he's he doesn't seem to care. He, he doesn't mind giving you honest answers to questions for the most part, I think. And that's. He's coaching like he doesn't need well, the money. Exactly. And right? I mean, he pretty much, he's kind of said that, not in so many <laughs> yeah. words. I'm like, I don't, hey, I don't need this job. I'm not going to another job. <laughs> like, where am I going? No, I, I, yeah, I love that. Cause when you have a coach that's sort of not climbing the ladder, it, it's for one of two reasons, right? Like, one, he doesn't have any, you can't get rid of him or you get this guy sort of at this stage in his career. It's kind of freeing. I'm enjoying him. He looks like he's having fun. Yeah, he, he is having fun. I think. And he just, I think he just feels badly for these kids. Like I know he did last week um, that they couldn't get that win. And um, you know, that he said like, this was the first time he was like, I broke my promise to Sally. Like I, I felt bad after a loss and I told her I would, I would try not to do that. But um, I think he just wants them to experience success. They've just they've had a crappy last couple of years and it hasn't gone well. And he wants them to experience more of the other side of that. I mean, they already kind of have. But like you said, I mean, it's this is a big one for them if they want to make a bowl. It's it's really tough to imagine them making a bowl without winning this game. So, yes, I agree. Um, I agree. By the way, at the end of this podcast or wherever my producer decides to insert it, um, my husband has given a breakdown of this game. He is a North Carolina fan. He went to school there, but he didn't. He didn't like he his experience of the rivalry is a little different because he grew up in Florida and he just didn't care, you know, about Duke Carolina football <laughs> at all until until he got to school. Um, um, I won't spoil it too much, but he ends up comparing it to Taco Bell somehow. Uh, a lot of things come back to Taco Bell with my husband. So um, some of y'all have asked for it. Look, that's why I did it. Some of y'all have asked for it after last week when I came home and he told me that that watching the Virginia Tech game made him feel like he was getting drawn and quartered. <laughs> That's not Taco Bell. It's not. Um, although, you know, sometimes can probably feel similarly um, after sure. you eat it. Sure. But they, yeah, he, he, everyone's like, Ooh, we need to get your husband on the podcast. So asked and answered people. He'll, he's going to give you his uh, Duke Carolina breakdown. Um, and you can enjoy that's a like I said, though, it's a weird rivalry. Like it's, it's usually pretty sad. It's, it used to be the last game of the year. Um, for both teams and like, you know, sometimes Car- half the time Carolina was ending a disappointing year. Half the time Duke was like winless or had like one win. It was usually not even on television. Um, it's <laughs> uh, it's a weird game. And back in the 30s, the Blue Devils. I've never watched it guy. growing up and I grew up in Florida too. Oh, you've never watched it growing up? Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It probably was not on where y'all were. So just... There's no reason, no. no reason for it to be. It's not like now where you can find those games a little bit easier. Um, no, no, you couldn't have found it back then, nor would you have wanted to. I look forward to hearing this. Yeah, I look forward to hearing. This. <laughs> yeah, and um, it, it, yeah, one time back in the '30s, the Blue Devil, like, and I love the story because if it happened today, like, can you even imagine? But like, the Blue Devil, I guess, like, threw his trident and it hit a Carolina person in the stands in the back. <laughs> yeah. And he gave him like, and he gave him like an infection, the the trident did, and that he almost died. Um, what are they doing with that trident? I don't know, right? That's what I don't understand. And it was just an accident, apparently, because like at first people were really mad at the Blue Devil, obviously, but he felt so bad that apparently, eventually, like all the Carolina people were like, "Hey, buddy, it's okay." Like, you know, it was an accident. <laughs> I don't know. It was very weird. Um, the dude died six years later. 
um, in a car oh accident, gosh. like the guy that got hit with the trident. Oh. Oh God. Is that, so I've always viewed that as like the most final destination. Uh, yeah, it was coming, buddy. It was a trident or something else. Like, can, can you imagine if you died by getting hit by a mascot's trident? Like that in and of itself is crazy. You escape that. And then like a few years later, when you're still pretty young, you die in a car wreck. Um, so, yeah, that's that's my favorite Duke Carolina story. Um, from At least that guy wasn't a big 12 fan because half their mascots carry guns. Seriously. I mean, I, I feel like there are probably a lot more mishaps um with with the gunplay that was happening back then well then you get uh, the uh, boomer sooner that thing yes exactly oh my week. god no, nobody's safe in the big 12 it's it's, it is lol you got you got you know what's what's the what's what's that <laughs> what is bevo running around crazy <laughs> exactly if only exactly. colorado were still in the big 12 then we'd have all the dangerous mascots in one place that's true you're right um but yeah, that's that. That's a probably enough Duke Carolina talk for ever. Duke Duke has a little more left on its schedule if it wants to make a bowl, even if it doesn't win this one. But Carolina, I feel like, really needs it. So it'll be interesting because Duke still has Syracuse, and I think they're at Wake, which is you know, it's not that's not easy. But you want to get Wake later as opposed to earlier, I think. Although that didn't work out so great for Duke last year, did it? Yeah, they've got Notre Dame and Miami to, as well. So yeah, this is one for them to to get if they want to get to six. They need it. They need this to be one of them. Yeah, probably. Although, like I said, I think Duke's going to beat. Syrac- so Duke's got four. They're going to beat Syracuse. So that's five. Um, then they just have to beat one of like Miami and Wake, right? They can. Pro- they can probably right. do that. I th- I feel better about their chances than I do Carolina's if Carolina doesn't get this game. Uh, I agree. Uh, but yeah, that's where I'll be on Saturday. Fun times. Uh, Fun times as always, because you never know how they get. By the way, Duke hasn't won four in a row, which this would be four in a row if they won it since like the 50s. Um, so that'll be worth watching as well. But I wonder how many of those uh, stats just like that, that Cudcliffe has kind of undone in his time. Yeah. There, there has to just it's be a tons. Lot. It's, it's really a lot, like just so many. And, and when you look at what like how many wins the coaches had before he even got there versus like how many he's got now. And it's, it's crazy. Like he's done such great things there. And in a way he's a lot like Mac in the sense that he's not going anywhere probably. And he he can coach however he wants. So um, it'll be interesting to see two coaches that two older coaches that don't really give a crap going up against each other and seeing what happens. Um, (laughs) But Oh, the nightcap. Boston College at Clemson. Why are we pretending this is going to be good? It's not going to be good. It won't be good. Uh, especially, I, I might be intrigued that it might be kind of fun if Boston College had Anthony Brown, but I watched him hurt himself at yeah. Louisville. And with the backup quarterback, uh, no, I'm not feeling this one at all. I mean, look, I think that uh, Clemson is innately built to handle the thing. Uh, that Boston College does, which is sort of hurry up and run at yeah. you. Uh, and I think that they will be just fine. Like th- I have no reason to think that this game will be anything other than one-sided. I mean, Louisville was able to go up and down the field with big plays through the passing game uh, as they were just sort of feeling things out. And again, Evan Conley, true freshman, comes in you know, uh, in the fourth quarter in that game and leads will want a game-winning drive. I think Trevor Lawrence is going to be okay. Yeah, uh, this there's just... All you saw on Twitter, I feel like, during the Clemson-Louisville game was just this inherent freakout about like how bad Clemson was looking. And I kept like looking at the score and waiting for it to reflect that, and it didn't. <laughs> and it's just like, 
okay, I, I don't know why we pretend like we didn't witness this over and over again with both Clemson and with like Deshaun Watson over the years, right? Where Deshaun would have some yeah. shaky moments, some turnovers, and and then settle in and be fine. Like I don't. Well, Clemson isn't like their dominance in the game isn't linear. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's not like they just outscore you by seven and then by like it, like they have they'll they're content to just sort of kind of screw around with you for a little while. Cause they know it's not going to last. And then when the, the dam breaks, they pour it on. Like th- that's okay. Like that, that is also still dominating. And Louisville was like eight of 22 throwing the ball in the game. Like they still completely dominated the game. It just took them a half to sort of sift through what Louisville was doing. I think doing. that's a good way of putting it. Like they don't have a lot of panic in them. Um, None. And, and I noticed yeah. that even at the North Car- during the North Carolina game where I was like, Clemson, Hey, Guys, you might want to, you know, start doing that thing you do. Um, but they just sort of they. Yeah, we feel their urgency way more than they do. Yes, that's accurate. It's it's probably a good quality to have. Um, yeah, because they don't panic. I tell you what, the, the, what is unique about them too? Uh, it, it, for me, there's no team in America right now, and this is solely a reflection on Brent Venables just being kind of a you know a savant. But, like, if it's fourth and one or if it's, you know, game-winning two-book conversion, like North Carolina, had, they're going to go for two to win the game. I absolutely did not think they were going to get it. Uh, and, and Venables, like, is prepared, like, just unbelievably prepared for all of those little situations and all the little post-game interviews. Like, yeah, we watched every single two-point play they've, he's ever run as a coach or an assistant, and we were ready for it, and you knew. We knew they were going to hit us with speed option, and they did. He did it to Petrino. He tied Petrino in knots. They were always ready on short yardage down and distance and that stuff. And it's just a unique thing uh, with him that he's just so hyper prepared for that stuff. And it's, you know, it's part of that. That's why they never really seem to freak out. No, that's true. I mean, what he's done with this defense, considering what they lost is crazy. It's just nuts. Yep. Um, I did love this quote from Dabo where he was, um, cause they dropped in the AP poll, which we also talked about earlier this week, but um, Clemson, I guess was winning by 28.7 points per game last year at this time, 28 this year. And Davo was like, that 0.7 is elusive and we're chasing that. It's probably the greatest 0.7 out there, but we'll keep working. I love Dabo shade. Well, well I, the offensive coordinator was like, we keep winning like this. We'll be out of the top 10 by the end of the year. I mean, like I love that stuff. Yeah. And it's, it, it it's probably the biggest blessing that they could actually hope for because they need to have something, not go wrong for them. Right. But like they need to, I, maybe they need this to sort of keep them. They need to be yeah, doubted. Yeah. I mean, I hate that. Like I, it's the biggest sports cliche, but it, I think it has some truth to it. Totally. It has some truth to it. No, it, Dabo needs it. Uh, John Calipari needs it. Like there are coaches, like they need it. They need it. And he's one of them. He, he's one. Yeah. So, well, he's getting it and he's getting it in spades. I mean, look, if they went out there making the playoff, like that's it. There's no, and, yes. and, and I, I've yes. seen some people speculate about the other and I'm like, y'all can speculate all you want, but it's not happening. Um, and they, sh- well, this is one of the biggest like logical errors in people uh, to me. And it drives me nuts. You don't have to play a good schedule to be good. Like, you, just, you don't, no. you don't like you, it, it makes you more deserving, but playing a tough schedule doesn't make you better. If so, Clemson ends up with like a bum schedule and they look like they appear they are, they're still awesome. So stop it. Right. I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. I don't know. It's, it's silly, but that's what we do. And we have to, you know, I don't care that much about it, except for the fact that I feel like Alabama is getting a benefit of the doubt that Clemson should have earned by now and is not getting. And that's where I get in. Cause Alabama hasn't played anybody yet either. Yeah. I suppose that's a good point. I hadn't really thought well, about Alabama's that. best win is what Duke. I guess. A&M. Ugh. Right. 
<laughs> and I mean, that's not their fault. They're playing who's on the schedule. They still look really good, you know, but th- why are we giving them a benefit of the doubt that we're not? And they didn't look great against Tennessee and then they lose their quarter. No, they did not. We understand that. But like they didn't look great in other areas either. Their defense hasn't looked great. And that's OK. They're still really good. We trust that they're going to be really good. I believe in the benefit of the doubt, but I just don't know why we only apply it to one of those te- two teams. I don't think that's. Isn't it great, though, that Alabama and LSU both have decided, they're like, ah, screw this. Let's have fun. I'm enjoying yes. it. No, I, that, that is fun to watch. I agree. I feel like, okay, so I know we already talked about Syracuse FSU before I get you out of here. Um, but I do have to, <laughs> I forgot about this quote, uh, to Sean Reed, uh, who covers Florida State for The Athletic. He, mm-hmm. <laughs> he apparently uh, defensive tackle Corey Durden, Florida State defensive tackle on how Syracuse is different from last year. Quote, they definitely look different than they did last year. Last year, they were a pretty good football team. And Tashawn, t- I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Um, Tashawn said, I, for one, believe this is the most respectful way possible to call somebody trash. And I just loved that. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good, honestly. Oh, I love I love that. You know, that reminds me of... Uh, I asked Devontae Parker how uh, how was Bobby Petrino different than than Charlie oh Strong when because he was there for the transition and it was you know it, it was the first off season and it was really funny because I, he I don't think he knew what he wanted to say like at all <laughs> so he started out and he was like well with Charlie Strong with Coach Strong like he just really cared and he really wanted you to just be your best but with Coach Petrino like he just he just wants you to be your best they're, they're the same. Like he started out one way and he just totally ended up somewhere totally different and he just failed he's on like, the question. It was yeah, he's like, oh, I can't say that Petrino does. Oh, yes, well, exactly. I'm just going to make something up. I'm going to land this plane right here. Devontae, yep. by the way, one of my favorite ACC players in recent years. Love watching him play. Um, where is he now? Where is he playing now? The Dolphins. He's still with the Dolphins? Oh, dear God. I see. I, I I don't know what you make of this, right? Like, what do you do if you're a Dolphins player that hasn't tried or been traded? Like, are you insulted? Oh my god, that's that's such such a, such a mess. Poor Devonte. He deserves better. Um, he, just like Cam Akers deserves better at Florida State than than being no on kidding. that roster. No um, but that's that's unfortunate. Right. Every, everybody on the Dolphins that it's unfortunate that they have to suffer through that. Um. Well, I'll let, I'll get you out of there on that. There's really not much to break down with Clemson Boston College, like let's be honest. So, we can just <laughs> you know, the Clemson It might be it would be more fun if Brown was healthy and, and like you might get kind of some up and down points and that sort of thing, but uh, it's just Clemson is Clemson and and Boston College with the backup quarterback. I'm, I maybe it's the game where Clemson sort of finds himself kind of in the wilderness kind of goofing off, but I think they've already done that with Carolina. Uh, and are starting to sort of round into shape now. And uh, to me, it just seems it screams yeah. one sided. I can't find a, a mental reason to make I it. I agree. The only way it gets close, I think, is if Clemson, you know, has a ton of self. Yeah, Helps. exactly. And significantly, probably. So, yeah. all right. Well, I can get you out of there on that. Um, my son is going to pick games as well. I'm assuming after my husband breaks down Carolina Duke. So you get a double dose of my family at the end of this podcast, which you can skip if you do not care. Um, and that's fine. Uh, my son's been a big hit, though. Um, so you could fast forward past my husband if you want. That's fine. Um, I do that plenty. So it's okay. Um, but he is Mark Ennis. Mark, thanks so much. Tell people where they can find you. Uh, on Twitter at Mark Ennis. And uh, on 93.9, you can check us out to uh, the podcast there. If you want to listen, you can listen online at 93.9theville.com. All right. Thanks so much. See y'all next week. So what does Duke Carolina have to do with Taco Bell? 
Steal a base, steal a taco. Right, that was the World Series promotion, yeah. Right. Well, Duke is trying to steal North Carolina's tacos. I mean, they've stolen it for like the last, like, how many years in a row? It's a lot. It doesn't really matter. The point is, it's a Taco Bell taco, so you're not really stealing a great taco. You order Taco Bell all the time. What are you even talking about? Oh, I love Taco Bell, but it's not the greatest taco. So it's like a mediocre rivalry because, like, you're trying to steal a Taco Bell taco? Is that what you're saying? At the same time, it's very fulfilling and, like, it's very filling. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and it makes you happy. Is there is there a taco that they could be trying to steal that you would be like, oh man, that's worth trying to steal the taco? A double decker. Like still from Taco Bell we're talking about? It's not like not the, from a good taco place? Mm. <laughs> I, to me, a double decker still rivals the best tacos out there. What are you talking about? Because you got the soft. Oh my God, you're so You got the hard. Oh my God. And you got the beans to like just make everything melt together, and you that's got the mystery meat. The mystery meat, right? So, the, so Duke Carolina is a Taco Bell rivalry. Is that what you're saying? It is a Taco Bell rivalry. Okay. If you eat just two tacos, you're probably going to be okay, right? But if you go over that, you're going to be like, it's too much, or it's just going to have a really bad ending. Did you say it used to make you sad? Because it used to end the season, right? So, like, it, it just was, like, a sad game, right? It was... Was it always the Thanksgiving game? Or yeah. It- Remember, we almost bet it in Vegas that one time, and we didn't. And it's so, a good thing, because we would have lost. I was only sad, because I'd have to go home to see my family, which meant I didn't get to see you. Oh, that's sweet. Did you watch the football game, though? You didn't. No, I never... No, of course they, you didn't, because I've been to your Thanksgiving. You didn't watch the football game. They don't show that in the Florida markets. Well, and also, they don't... You didn't care to find it. No, because we had to watch the Florida Gators. Okay, fair. Yeah. Although that weekend, no, were they playing Florida State that weekend? They probably were, right? Because that's like no. rivalry weekend. Is it the same weekend? Yeah. Yeah. So you were watching Florida, Florida State. You weren't watching like UNC Duke. I guess. Have you ever watched the UNC Duke like no, before? No, 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 no. Because Florida, Georgia, is is Thanksgiving weekend. No, it's not. Florida, no. Georgia is this weekend. <laughs> that's right. It is, it is Halloween, and I've been there. <laughs> I've been to the big cocktail I know party. you have, like, but, but you don't remember, to be fair to you. To be fair, I missed a significant chunk You of don't remember a lot. Not by choice. Sure. But yeah, you don't, you don't remember a lot of that. Sure, that's fair to say. <laughs> <laughs> no, Florida and Florida but State. But the game that I did go to was a really big blowout, so it wasn't really worth watching. It probably will be again. The power of Tim Tebow compels you. Yeah, sure. Actually, it probably won't be again, because Georgia doesn't care to blow anybody out. Apparently. No. They like defense. Mm. And defense is strong. Yeah, they also like not offensing. So Ah, they just prefer defense. That's the difference. Well, you know what? That's that's what gets you a loss in South Carolina is what preferring defense Every does. now and then Georgia gets a really good running back, so you can't hate on them. Sure I can, because they don't have one now. <laughs> to each their own. Okay. <laughs> Georgia's gotta keep on pounding. How dare you? What do you mean? Don't use my pro team's hashtag. They're the Georgia dogs. So that's what they go to. They go to the pound. What? Oh, my God. That's bad for dogs to go to the pound. What are you talking about? It makes you sad. So it's appropriate. So you think that the dogs should keep pounding? Yeah, they got to get out of the jail, man. No, they shouldn't keep pounding. They should keep not pounding. What are you talking about? Spay and neuter your pets, guys. Oh, my Bob God. Barker. Okay, Bob Barker. You know what? I know you love prices, right? But we're going to. One dollar, Bob. One dollar. Okay. All right. We're done here. Goodbye. Goodbye.
drinking my juice. You're drinking your juice, huh? Is this it? is purple, and this is purple. Yeah. And this is green. Because it's grape juice, right? Yes. Okay. You ready to pick some games? Yes. Okay. Miami or Pittsburgh? Pittsburgh. Wow. Okay. Oh, I'm sorry. I forgot. I forgot to open that. My bad. All right. Syracuse or Florida State? Florida State. Okay. Uh, Virginia or Louisville? <gasps> you picked against Miss Caroline's team. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh wow. I want to hug Caroline. You want to hug Caroline? I think you're going to see her pretty soon. Uh, Duke or North Carolina? North Carolina. I want to hug North Carolina. Oh, that's sweet, buddy. Um, yeah. If you if they win, you won't. They won't need a hug. Okay. But that's really nice. Boston College or Clemson? Clemson. I want to hug Clemson. Yeah, yeah. That's your favorite team, isn't it? You know they've really been disrespected in the polls? This is lightning on my cookie. Lightning on your cookie? Yeah. Oh, wow. Is it? Yeah. I don't know. Which character is that in the DC universe? These are DC cookies, right? You don't know what that means, do you? Superman cookie? You have one of those? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. Cool. Is Clemson your favorite team? It's Batman cookie. It's in the bag somewhere. It just might not look exactly like that. Okay, you want to say goodbye? Goodbye. That's not what you said. You said I want to go on your podcast. I want to go on your podcast. You know you're on my podcast every week, right? You do know that, but yeah. you want to be on it more? Yeah. You want to break down ACC football? Uh, yeah. Okay. So what, what do you want to say about, what do you want to say about Clemson? Is Clemson being disrespected? What do you think? Should Clemson get more of a benefit of the doubt? Uh, yeah. I agree. What do you think of Trevor Lawrence? Do you like his hair? His hair is really nice, right? Yeah. You have long hair? I have long hair, but my hair is not as nice as Trevor's. My hair is, is a mess. Your hair is a mess? Yeah, what do you think? Don't you agree? Oh, smell it. Okay. My hair probably smells better than Trevor Lawrence's, though. Smell mine. Mmm, still smells good from that bath yesterday. Can you bite it? Ew, I'm not going to bite it. Okay, we're going to go now. Bite yours? Ew, no, please don't bite mine. We're going to go now. Bye-bye. <laughs>